and welcome to the Hypochondriac's Almanac podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and I've got some super interesting articles for you guys this week. Um, but before we get started, we need to do a couple little disclaimers. We're not doctors, nurses, or medical professionals of any kind. We're not trying to give you medical advice, diagnose you, or fix your problems. If you have an issue, don't guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. Go to the doctor for Pete's sake. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and jump into the podcast. The first article for today is an article by Lizzie Roberts, and it came out last month, and it's called Constipation Drug Could Boost Memory After Just Six Days. A drug used to treat constipation could boost a person's memory after just six days, says a study by the University of Oxford. The pill, Procolopride, also known as Resilor, is already in use to treat digestive problems, but new research has shown it could also be used to tackle cognition impairments caused by psychiatric disorders like depression, schizophrenia, or bipolar disorder. Researchers said the findings presented in the European College of Neuropharmopsychology Conference provide exciting early evidence of the drug's benefits. 44 healthy volunteers aged 18 to 36 were split into two groups with half given the prucolopride and the other half were given a placebo. After six days of taking the pill, they attended the study where they were shown a series of images of animals and landscapes. They viewed the images again, plus similar ones during an MRI scan after which they performed a memory test. Volunteers were then asked to sort the images by those they had seen before and during the scan from a set of new pictures. The people who took the constipation pill identified 81% of the previously viewed items versus 76% in the placebo group. Their brain scans also showed enhanced activity in areas related to cognition. The increased activity was shown in areas like the hippocampus and the right angular gyrus, both associated with memory, researchers said. Dr. Susan Murphy at the University of Oxford said, even when the low mood associated with depression is well treated with conventional antidepressants, many patients continue to experience problems with their memory. Our study provides exciting early evidence in humans of a new approach that might be helpful to treat those residual cognitive symptoms. Doctors at the University of Oxford also said statistical tests indicate that this was a fairly large effect. Such an obvious cognitive improvement with the drug was a surprise to us. The findings provide a proof of concept, but warrant further study to see if the drugs could have a clinical response, the researcher said. Very interesting stuff indeed. Who would have thought the constipation drug could provide additional benefits? Okay, next article. This one is interesting. Italian man wears fake arm in crazy attempt to avoid getting the COVID-19 jab. This article is by Yaren Steinbuck and it came out in the New York Post. An Italian man thought he had an ace up his sleeve to circumvent the country's COVID-19 vaccine mandates, but was busted when he showed up for a shot wearing a fake arm, according to reports. The creative anti-vaxxer may have paid hundreds of euros for silicone prosthetics, which he wore to the vaccine center in a town in the northern region near Turun, The Guardian reported. The 50-year-old man, who sought to avoid the jab but still get the so-called green pass, signed a consent form and lifted up his sleeve for the healthcare worker, who didn't notice anything amiss at first. But when the woman touched the faux limb, she realized something was odd. She told the man to remove his shirt and discovered the trickster's strong arm tactic. 
The worker, Philippa Boy, 60, told the Italian newspaper La Repubblica that she felt offended as a professional, adding that the color of the arm made me suspicious. It was well made, but it wasn't the same color. She told the stampa she could not see any veins either. At first I thought I had made a mistake, but it was a patient with an artificial arm, she said. The shameless man still tried to persuade her to turn a blind eye to his ruse while injecting some levity by asking, would you have imagined I'd have such a physique? <laughs> Piedmont President Alberto Cairo said in a joint statement with the regional health chief, the promptness and skill of the health worker ruined the plans of this person, who will now have the responsibility to the judiciary. La Repubblica suggested that the same man may have shared a message on Twitter featuring a silicon body suit on sale on Amazon, along with the message, if I go with this, will they notice? Maybe beneath the silicone, I'd even put on some extra clothes to avoid the needle reaching my real arm, the user reportedly added. Italy has recently announced stricter vaccine mandates that would ban entry of unvaccinated people into popular venues like nightclubs, restaurants, theaters, and gyms. The Super Green Pass, which takes effect across the country soon, requires proof of vaccination or recovery from the bug. The busted man's attempt would border on the ridiculous, were it not for the fact that we're talking about a gesture of enormous gravity, say officials. It is unacceptable in the face of the sacrifice that the pandemic is making the whole country pay for, they added to The Guardian. <laughs> Very interesting indeed. Next article. Platelet-rich plasma injection may become the alternative to knee surgery. And this is an article from the Washington Post. And it was written by Marlene Simmons. Douglas Jantz, 57, a retired middle school teacher from Houston, has been playing tennis since he was nine. He is serious about his game, so he was worried when his knees started to hurt. Eventually, he was diagnosed with osteoarthritis. Tennis is my favorite sport, so I was very upset, he says. I was really afraid I would have to give it up. A cortisone shot and physical therapy didn't help, and the pain grew worse. Having switched doctors when his insurance changed, his new physician suggested he consider something different, injections with platelet-rich plasma, or PRP. This is a therapy that uses certain cells, platelets, and growth factors from a patient's own blood to ease pain and mend injured tissues. After suffering for two years, Jantz readily agreed. I thought it was definitely worth a try, he says. Jantz has had several PRP injections in each knee since 2018, and he says they helped. He's playing tennis again, mostly pain-free, and doing other things that he found difficult before. Today I feel very good, he says. PRP is among several therapies that are part of the growing practice of regenerative medicine, a field that relies on the body's natural properties to heal itself. While these therapies have been in use for many years, a mainstream medicine has been slow in adopting them, in part because studies have shown conflicting results. Researchers say these procedures suggest efficacy and pose little risk because the material comes from the patient's own body, but they agree that more standardized studies are needed, especially when it comes to PRP. There have been at least 80 studies using PRP in the knees with mixed results, depending on the severity of the arthritis and a lack of consistency in composition of the PRP, that is, which blood cells are separated out and used. For this reason, some medical organizations like the Arthritis Foundation and the College of Rheumatology recommend against it. All PRP is not the same, say professionals, 
And some of these professionals, one is John Farrell, a regenerative sports medicine physician in the DC area. He uses PRP in his practice and believes that it has therapeutic benefits when administered by experienced clinicians. Also, it seems to work best on mild to moderate OA. Insurance companies in Medicare still regard the therapy as experimental and refuse to cover the cost. Nevertheless, the market for regenerative medicine, including knee osteoarthritis, has been growing with estimates that will expand to $39 billion by 2024. This is up from $13.3 billion in 2019, according to Doctor.com, a company that provides marketing information to medical practices. In addition to the PRP, the knee therapies include the use of microfragmented fat transfers and bone marrow aspirate. In recent years, clinicians who use them say all three are attractive and less dangerous alternatives to widely used steroid injections, which research now suggests not only fail to help patients, but actually hasten cartilage loss. My goal as a knee surgeon is to save knees, so it's very exciting to see these emerging technologies, says Nicholas DeNubil, a Philadelphia area orthopedic surgeon and vice president of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Several years ago, we used to say, in terms of regenerative therapies, that this marketing was ahead of the science. But today, the science is beginning to catch up. There is solid research that they are effective and safe. They don't regrow cartilage, but they reboot the knee in a way that behaves better. Prathap Jatharam, Director of Regenerative Sports Medicine and Assistant Professor at the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation and Orthopedic Surgery at Baylor College of Medicine, who triagents calls knee osteoarthritis one of the leading multiskeletal disabilities of aging. It causes chronic pain, impaired mobility, and functional impairment. Being able to get up and down to go to the bathroom, go downstairs, walk the dog, all of this imposes a significant financial burden. He says it's very common. Near 80% of people older than 55 have x-ray evidence of it. Either you have it or you know somebody who does. More than 32.5 million Americans suffer from osteoarthritis, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The disease occurs when cartilage, the tissue that cushions the ends of the bones within the joints, breaks down and wears away, sometimes leaving bones that rub up against each other, often described as bone on bone. The knees are among the joints most commonly afflicted, causing stiffness, pain, making it difficult to walk, climb, get in and out of chairs and bathtubs, and for older adults to play sports. While it doesn't regrow new cartilage, researchers do say that the use of PRP might delay its loss. This raises a prospect that patients might be able to avoid knee replacement surgery if they're treated early enough. There really are no treatments for knee osteoarthritis, say the experts. We have therapies that manage the symptoms, but no disease-modifying treatment. In preclinical work, we've been able to show that PRP can delay disease progression, laying the foundation for a pilot clinical study in patients. For moderate to severe cases, clinicians often turn to microfragmented adipose tissue transfer or bone marrow. Both involve using fat or marrow taken directly from the patient, then reintroduced after processing into the knees. These procedures are more invasive than PRP, which involves a simple blood draw from a patient's arm, but can be done in an office setting using a local anesthetic. I've had patients whose average age was 70, who could have been immediate candidates for total knee replacement who did well after receiving fat injections, says William Murrell, an orthopedic regenerative sports medicine specialist in New York and lead author of a recently published study on the use of adipose tissue in elderly patients with knee osteoarthritis. 
Also, the great benefit of using adipose tissue is that we see a significant amount of symptom amelioration for a good amount of time. During these approaches, the patient is both donor and recipient, as in the tissues or the blood or any of those other things are not taken from anyone else, which enhances safety and should not be confused with stem cell therapies. Stem cells have become controversial in recent years because of false claims and misinformation over social media about unproven therapies, resulting in patient injuries when used by inexperienced practitioners or non-physicians. PRP is a blood product that does not contain stem cells, and while bone marrow concentrate and microfragmented adipose contain a small amount of stem cells, the two are not marketed as stem cell treatments. Bone marrow aspirate contains growth factors that decrease inflammation and promote healing, while microfragmented adipose tissue is marketed for cushioning and support. The Food and Drug Administration regulates them as human cells, tissues, and cellular and tissue-based products. Both are prepared for injection using kits cleared by the FDA, while PRP is processed using a centrifuge, also approved by the agency. For human cells and tissues, the agency monitors for safety but does not give approval for specific uses because that would be regulating the practice of medicine, which it does not have the authority to do. While PRP isn't FDA approved per se, the agency allows it to be legally offered off-label in clinics for numerous multi-skeletal conditions. You can use these products if they meet two criteria, minimal manipulation, meaning the product hasn't been changed in a way that could turn it into a drug, and homologous use. Microfragmented adipose tissue and bone marrow aspirate treatments are minimal manipulation, and as long as a physician is injecting into like, this is a homologous use. So injecting bone marrow into bone or fat into areas that contain fat for the purposes of cushioning is approved use. Moreover, fat grafting is a common medical procedure that has been considered mainstream since 1990s in plastic surgery. Insurance companies are really the ones that consider this experimental. Numerous studies suggest that clinical improvement in knee osteoarthritis using PRP, microfragmented adipose tissue transfer, and bone marrow aspirate. One doctor recently completed a pilot study of PRP injections for knee arthritis in 12 patients in their 50s and 60s. Jantz was among these patients. They used a novel wearable microchip sensor to measure PRP's therapeutic effects on function and movement. Six weeks after the treatment, they found a significant improvement in pain and time up and go, a test that measures how long it takes for someone to rise from a chair or walk about 10 feet, turn around 180 degrees, walk back to the chair, and sit down while turning 180 degrees. PRP is emerging as one of the promising candidates to treat OA that are currently being used in clinical practice. Patients with more advanced osteoarthritis benefit more from fat or bone marrow treatments, clinicians say. Adipose tissue is signaling a device that sends a message to other cells in the area to turn off the inflammation, say doctors. Adipose doesn't regenerate cartilage, but it turns off the pathways that prompt the breakdown. The fat is taken from the abdomen, hips, or gluteal region. Then we do a mechanical separation. It sounds like using a cocktail shaker. This removes oils, red blood cells, and keeps the good fat the way they want it. They use about 12 ounces or about a soda can full. It usually requires a single shot and relief from the cushioning lubrication and reduced inflammation can last as long as three years. With bone marrow aspirate concentrate, the material is extracted from the back of the hip bone equal to about a half of a soda can, and then it's spun into a concentrated solution to eliminate certain cells before it's injected into the knee. 
It's a great anti-inflammatory and continues to turn off inflammation, Farrell says. It also creates more stabilization in the meniscus and supporting ligaments of the knee. Patients can notice an improvement in their symptoms within one week. The costs can range from about 3,500 to about 10,000, the latter in expensive areas like New York or San Francisco, for fat and bone marrow considerably less for PRP, although insurance often does cover fees for office visits diagnostics like ultrasound exams. Many patients think it's worth it when you look at the price of knee replacement at $50,000, which is covered, but there are deductibles and copays, which typically cost the patient from $4,000 to $6,000 out of pocket, and it's a much more difficult and painful recovery, say the doctors. We're trying to redefine orthopedic medicine. We want to give people minimally invasive options before they need a definitive invasive surgery. Meanwhile, Jance, whose last PRP injection is nearly a year ago, is playing tennis and has resumed hiking and other past activities. Going down these hills used to be tough, he says, remembering his earlier hikes. I had to crab walk my way down, but now I'm not afraid to do them anymore. I'm also much better at sitting, standing, and walking, which used to be painful. Now I'm at the gym every day. So good to hear he found some relief without getting a full-on knee replacement surgery. Next article. This one is written by Carla Walsh and it came out in Eating Well and its new research says this health condition can make you 61% more likely to develop dementia. Heart disease is the number one killer in America and chances are we all know someone who has been impacted. My dad, for instance, has recovered from a heart attack and so my grandpas on both sides had open heart surgery to address severe arterial blockages. So I try to follow the American Heart Association's Life Simple 7 for a healthy heart lifestyle and aim to fill my weekly menu with as many of these best foods for heart health as possible. As with any health topic, we continue to learn more each month about the most effective ways to prevent or at least delay chronic health conditions, even those we've genetically been predisposed to. And since I, at age 34, hope to have many healthy decades ahead, my ears perked up when I spotted this just-released finding compared to their peers with normal blood pressure, people who are diagnosed with high blood pressure or hypertension from ages 35 to 44 tend to have a smaller brain size and are at higher risk for developing dementia, according to new research published in the October 2021 issue of the AHA Journal of Hypertension. Hypertension is very common in middle-aged people, 45 to 64 years old, and early onset high blood pressure is becoming more common as well. Although the association among hypertension, brain health, and dementia in later life has been well established, it was unknown how age at the onset of hypertension may affect this association. If this is proven, it would provide some important evidence to, su to suggest earlier intervention to delay the onset of hypertension, which in turn could be beneficial in preventing dementia. The results the scientists confirm suggest that young adulthood is prime time for keeping tabs on blood pressure and aiming to keep it within healthy limits to control or postpone the onset of cognitive decline. In case you missed it, another study found that one particular diet can lessen the risk of cognitive decline even if you're already experiencing symptoms. As a refresher and a hint to why the head and heart are connected, about 25% of the blood that pumps out of the heart flows to the brain. To land this conclusion, the researchers dove into data from the UK Biobank Compl 
compilation of health information from 500,000 volunteers based in the UK to measure brain size changes. They tracked MRI measures of brain volume between the 11,399 people with high blood pressure diagnosed at different ages before 35, 35 to 44 years old, and 45 to 54 years old. The scientists compared these brain volume rates with the 11,399 participants who were never diagnosed with high blood pressure. Then they matched the similar participants from each group based on age and multiple health-related variables. Participants entered the study group between 2006 and 2010, and the MRIs were taken between 2014 and 2019. In each age group, the brain volume was smaller among those with high blood pressure and hypertension diagnosed before the age of 35 was linked with the greatest change in brain volume, aka the decrease in brain volume. Individuals who had hypertension diagnosed at younger ages had smaller brain volumes on those one-time measurements. Future research with brain volume measures at multiple time points could confirm whether hypertension diagnosed at a younger age is associated with a greater decrease in brain volume over time. But the brain volume change doesn't necessarily mean a dementia diagnosis is eminent. So to evaluate the dementia risk, the scientists looked at how many of the participants developed cognitive decline during a nearly 12-year follow-up period. Fascinatingly, although vascular dementia risk was 80% higher among those diagnosed with high blood pressure before the age of 35, they found fewer cases of dementia among that cohort, and the association with high blood pressure was not statistically significant. The risk of dementia for any case was drastically higher, however, due to the tune of 61% among those diagnosed with high blood pressure between the ages of 35 and 44. This was compared to those whose BP fell within a normal range of less than 120 over 80, according to the AHA. No relationship was found between aged hypertension diagnosis and the risk of Alzheimer's disease, a type of dementia linked to the proteins that disrupt brain function, the authors explain. Dementia is a decline of cognitive functions like problem solving, memory, and language, enough that daily life is impacted. Alzheimer's disease is a more severe form that falls under the umbrella of dementia, but also involves a change in thinking and behavior. Other study results provide evidence to suggest that an early age at onset of hypertension is associated with the occurrence of dementia, and more importantly, this association is supported by structural changes in brain volume. Looking ahead, the investigators hope to see if other medical challenges, including diabetes and stroke, may also be related to early adult diagnosis of high blood pressure. They also hope to expand the diversity of the population studied, as this group was a majority Caucasian. Still, if you, like me, are at high risk for heart disease or in young to mid-adulthood and it's been a minute since you've had your blood pressure checked, it certainly can't hurt to take a pulse. If your blood pressure results do come back high, your doctor can help advise you about some lifestyle changes that can help move the needle. And in case you want to study up ahead of time, there are some things you can do to help lower high blood pressure even when medicine isn't helping. And the last article for the day, I don't have an author on this one, but it's images show x-rays taken from a U.S. medical journal's report about a girl with rare dental condition. Interestingly enough, there were some images that were shared on Facebook by an Australian-based user that showed a screenshot of the Facebook post. The post showed a screenshot of a separate Twitter user showing two x-rays. The images show a skull with an abnormal number of teeth. The toddler skull x-rays are terrifying, reads the tweet. The images have been shared alongside a similar claim on other Facebook posts. 
The claim, however, is misleading. Reverse image searches found the x-rays were taken from a U.S. medical journal's report about an 11-year-old girl with a rare dental condition. The images referenced in this 2011 article from the American Journal of Orthodontics and Dental Facial Orthopedics, it reported a girl with multiple hyperdontia, a rare condition that results in someone growing more than the regular 32 teeth. According to the report, the girl's 81 teeth made it difficult for doctors to differentiate between the supernumerary and the other teeth. The journal article states, orthodontic treatment for this patient will be a clinical challenge because of the great number of teeth to be extracted and the alterations in the shapes of her teeth. Below was a comparison of the images featured in the misleading Facebook post and the x-rays referenced in the 2011 journal article. The exact cause of hyperdontia is unknown according to the medical website Healthline, but it's associated with several rare hereditary conditions. The original tweet as shown in the misleading post was originally shared by an account that regularly shares satirical content, but it is really interesting. There have been several cases that I've seen in the news that have shown these young people with an abnormally large amount of teeth. and. I think that really would be sort of a scary type of a thing if you had a child that was born with that many teeth. But in any case, um, interesting stuff for the day. We're going to go ahead and wrap the podcast up. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can shoot us an email. We're at hypoelmapodcast at gmail.com. We do post pictures of some of these cases as well on podcast.addict on Instagram. And if you wouldn't mind. Um, we would also ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe to our little podcast. Rating, reviewing, and subscribing really helps us to pop up the list on the type of podcast that we're listed under, and I believe we're listed under a scientific podcast. But in any case, please join us next week when we talk about more weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye!